Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. On today's show, we're talking about your frame of reference. The price of silver has gone up 28% in a little over two weeks, but we've been saying for a long time that silver is undervalued relative to gold. Two months ago, gold was trading at 115 times the price of silver. In historic terms, that's nearly record-breaking ratio. Either gold was overvalued or silver was dramatically undervalued. Throughout much of history, the ratio between gold and silver has hovered in a range between 50 and 70 times. Sometimes it would go outside that ratio, but only briefly. For example, in the period from April 2010 to May 2011, the ratio dropped from 65 to 1 to 30 to 1 before rebounding back to 60 a year later. The price of silver shot up at the height of the economic downturn and and when silver was trading at such a discount, buying more silver seemed like the obvious thing to do. Markets are truly inefficient. Even markets with high degrees of liquidity and millions of participants can get off balance for a period of time. And that's what happened a few months ago. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know that I'm not a huge fan of the Wall Street Casino. I'm a big believer in buying real assets. While the price of silver has nearly doubled since March of this year, That may be an illusion because your frame of reference is dollars. Frame of reference is extremely important here. Some people measure their wealth in terms of dollars. Others might choose to measure their wealth in terms of ounces of silver or gold. You see, you might be standing still as you're listening to this podcast, or you might be seated at your desk. If you're driving in your car, you might be driving 60 miles an hour. But of course, none of those are correct you're on the edge of the earth that's spinning at about 460 meters per second, or about 1,000 miles an hour. Now, it doesn't feel like you're traveling that fast because of your frame of reference. turns out that the 1,000 miles an hour isn't quite right either. You see, the earth is spinning around the sun at a speed of about 30 kilometers a second, or about 67,000 miles an hour. It all depends on your point of reference. Some people choose to keep dollars as the point of reference but dollars are constantly in motion. They're continually declining in value. Dollars are not money, they're currency. In order for something to be considered money, it's gotta perform two vital functions. It's gotta serve as a means of exchange and as a store of value. Now, dollars are a pretty effective means of exchange, but not that great as a store of value. Whereas gold and silver are monetary metals, they are money. And many people confuse money with currency because they used to be one and the same. Now, since the middle of March, I've been buying silver every month. Now, silver is mostly used as an industrial metal and to a lesser degree as a precious metal since most of the mints around the world have stopped using it. Both gold and silver are used in small quantities in microelectronics. With the drop of economic activity caused by the pandemic, it's fair to assume that the increase in price is not being stimulated by industrial demand. It's the monetary demand for the silver that's driving the run-up in prices. Now, central banks around the world have printed trillions upon trillions of dollars, and governments have increased their debt levels even more. In the U.S. alone, the national debt increased by three-quarters of a trillion dollars just in the month of June. And the Federal Reserve expanded its balance sheet from $4 trillion to $7 trillion since the start of the pandemic. And all of this is not without consequence. Governments are going deeper into debt, and central banks are feverishly printing more money at a time when economies are barely functioning. That's almost the very definition of inflation. So when there's far more money circulating in the economy producing fewer goods and services, none of this makes sense. So far, we've been successful in exporting our inflation. 
For example, you go to Walmart and you buy a pair of shoes that were made in China or an electronic gadget, the supplier to Walmart gets paid in U.S. dollars. Now, that supplier has no real use for U.S. dollars, so they go to their local bank who exchanges the dollars for renminbi, and then China's central bank eventually ends up with a surplus of dollars. So they go in search of assets that they can buy with U.S. dollars, and for years they've been buying U.S. Treasury bills. It's really the perfect solution. The trade deficit with China results in China buying the surplus debt of the U.S. government. All of those extra dollars in circulation get taken out of the economy in the West and end up buying excess government debt in China. It's a system that works perfectly, at least until it doesn't. Now, when you put dollars in the bank, you're exposed to counterparty risk. If the bank goes bust, then you don't have any money left or currency. You merely have a claim on those dollars that actually belongs to the bank that you put on deposit with the bank. When you hold physical metal, there's no counterparty and therefore no counterparty risk. So back to the frame of reference. My analysis is pretty simple. The more money that central banks print, the more debt the governments take on, the more valuable gold and silver will become. Said another way, the more money that central banks print and the more debt the governments take on, the less valuable the currency will be. As you think about that, go out and buy some more silver. Have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.